In this week's episode of Farmers Inside Track, we're catching up with the resilient 24-year-old Northwest cattle farmer, Salome Scholes. In our agripreneurship slot, Senior Manager for Agribusiness at Standard Bank, Bertie Hammond, talks about compounding your profits and how time can have an impact. Journalist, health coach and chef Ulla Pakendorf joins our Mzanzi Flavor segment to share her secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. You'll also be empowered with a top tip from nutritionist Andrea Duplessis. And on top of our reading list this week is Do, Fail, Learn, Repeat The Truth Behind Building Businesses by Nick Harrell-Lambus, an entrepreneur and founder of retailer NickHarry.com. And of course, our weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Market with Dr. Donny van der Merwe, agri-economist at the Northwest University. It's a must for our farmers and agripreneurs. He highlights the latest price movements and expectations for the coming week. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey Mzanzi, welcome to episode 43 of Food for Mzanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host Dawn Numdu and you are listening to South Africa's leading farmers podcast. And I'm Duncan Masiwa and as always we kick off the show by introducing you to the movers and shakers in agriculture. Today's guest is none other than Salome Skoltz. So Salome, you told me that at 14 years old, you knew that you wanted to be a farmer. What is it about farming that captivated you when all the other young girls wanted to be ballerinas or even go to university? I've always loved nature, loved being outside and playing farmer with my toy tractors and my dolls. I was totally in love with the farm and the farm lifestyle. At one stage, I was more interested in driving a tractor. I remember I spent my weekends driving around the farm of my dad's tractors. When I was 17 years old, I fell in love with beef cattle, and I've been hooked since. Sadly, your friends underestimated you when you told them you want to be a farmer. And that's what most female farmers experience in this industry. Why do you think female farmers are underestimated in this industry? Unfortunately, people think it's a man's job. They've been thinking it for the last 50 years or even more. We are totally underestimated in this sector, but I'm asking all the female farmers, please forget about those stereotypes. Work hard and show everyone that you can be a successful farmer. Salome, you shared with me that you endured long periods of drought on your farm. And I just want to understand what kept you going and what motivated you during that time. Well, it was simple. I didn't have a choice. I had people and animals who depended on me. I asked myself a lot of times, who is Salome Scholes if she's not on a farm with a cows? That answer was quite simple as well. She was a nobody. Farming is what keeps me going. Capital is a stumbling block for many young aspiring farmers and new farmers who are wanting to you know, expand or grow their farm. How did you overcome your capital challenges? My dad helped me more than I could ever imagine and he still helps me today. He was one of those people who told me women can't be farmers and today he's one of my biggest supporters. I buy and sell cattle for people, making commission and learning a lot in each deal. I'm so humbled that people trust me to buy them a coward or even herd sires. Salome, break it down for me. What are your dreams or rather what does your future look like for you over the next 5 to 10 years? I guess most of us dream of becoming bigger and better. 
My cowherd is getting better each year thanks to the tough selection of my females. My dream in the next 10 years is to buy another piece of land and by that, expanding my business. Salome, we've all experienced moments in our life where we wanted to cringe or hide under a rock. So my question is, what's your most embarrassing moment from your teen years? Oh no, why would you ask such a question? Well, for some reason I wore my fellies to a casual school event. Some of the boys teased me about it and I was quite embarrassed. I must confess, I'm still cringing just thinking about it. Thanks for joining us, Salome Scholes, Northwest Cattle Farmer. It's also great to have our colleague Sinisi Potom joining us here on Farmer's Inside Track. Coming up shortly, the latest movements in fresh produce markets. But first, Berti Haman, the Senior Manager for Agribusiness at Standard Bank, talks about compounding your profits and how time can have an impact. Hi, Berti. Thanks so much for joining me again. How have you been? Very well. Thank you, Dawn. Thanks for having me and hello to all the listeners. So today we're talking about the impact of time on compounded profits. Berti, what is the impact of time on compounded profits? What does it mean and what is it all about? Don't I think, you know, if I can summarize it in a couple of words, and I'm going to exploring a couple of more ideas now, now, but it's being all about being patient, you know, make careful decisions and being patient. But if I can delve into a bit more detail, I think the whole idea comes down to the whole concept of Rome wasn't built in one day. It's all about working consistently towards your long-term goals. Instead of taking undue risk, chances, then end up never actually achieving any of your goals. Within this context, I think there's a couple of components that's worthwhile highlighting. The first one, as I just mentioned, is around being patient. Now, patience refers to the capacity to accept and tolerate the delays, problems, or even suffering without being annoyed or anxious. The benefit of being patient is that it allows you to make better decisions. So that's the first thing that I think is important to point out here. The next idea is around consistency. Now, consistency is actually something that should empower you in various ways. For example, it allows you to do proper measurement and improvement. Why do I say that? If you are actually starting out to doing something for the first time, invariably you will have to do the same task a number of times before you actually know if it works for you or doesn't work for you. And that's what consistency is, doing the same thing and doing the same thing over and over again. Maybe learn slightly from your mistakes and tweak slightly where you then can improve. And then the final ideal that I want to highlight is that of predictability. The agriculture environment is actually very unpredictable. Farmers will, I suppose, agree with me on that. There are so many variables that's not within your span of control, and you cannot do anything about it, and therefore it's also very difficult to predict. In fact, many farmers will actually tell you that that's why they are not that keen to do any budgets, because, you know, it's unpredictable. But I'm actually contending that if you are patient, as we just described, you are actually likely to make better financial decisions. If I add to this consistency and the benefits that brings to you, then I actually argue that some of these variables may become more predictable than what we actually think. So when these variables become more predictable, you can actually budget better. And if you can budget better, you know, stuff become more predictable again. So it's actually a very reciprocal process. And it gains financial strength if you are willing to allow time to work through you through the benefits of compounding. Now, can you give us some examples of the benefits of compounding profits? Yes, Don, I think there are actually quite significant benefits. If you are patient and consistent and predictable, you are most likely also going to get easier access to finance your financial institutions because they know you know what you are all about. You know, you've proved yourself in the past. So that's one of the immediate benefits, you know, of being predictable. 
it's much better to actually record lower profits, but consistently recording profits. It's recording a record profit in the one year and a record low in the next year. That's not a situation we want. We actually want to avoid that type of situation. And the next one is actually a financial example that I have here. So I'm going to name a, a couple of numbers here, and I've just slightly put two scenarios on here. And the one is a high scenario, and the other one is a lower scenario. Now, lower scenario is what I refer to as scenario one, and here I'm going to mention to you a couple of revenue numbers, which I've just put in for the next three years. So on scenario number one, this farmer suggests he's going to make a 10,000 rand revenue next year, then on the year the after 12,000 rand revenue, and in the third year, he's going to make 14,000 rand revenue. So over the space of three years, he's going to make 36,000 rand of revenue. Now, scenario two, this is more a sort of unpredictable type of a farmer. He also want to make 36,000 rand over the space of three years. But he think, based on his planning, he's going to be making a 15,000 rand revenue in the, in the first year, compared to 10,000 in the previous scenario. In the second year, because this farmer is taking a couple of chances, he unfortunately is going to be recording a loss of 1,000 rand. And in the third year, he's not going to sort of pull everything right. He's going to make a 22,000 rand profit compared to scenario one, where the farmer is only making a 14,000 rand profit. So over the three years, it comes down to the same thing, 36,000 rand, both scenarios. But you will see the one is more consistent. The other one is more up and down, a record high profits, and then also losses. Now, if I use just a discount rate of 6%, that's just the discount rate I'm using, then you can calculate the net present value of these three different cash flows. And you will actually see the first scenario on a net present value is 140 Rand better. So what I'm suggesting is you don't have to make record profits at the risk of making record losses as well. If you just operate consistently, you can actually, over a period of time, outperform inconsistency. So that's the second benefit of looking at the benefits of compounding over a period of time, even if it's at lower numbers initially. I think when I speak to farmers, they're always talking about consistency being key. And I think consistency is key when it comes to finances as well, Bertie. But what should I do as a farmer to get the benefits of compounding profits? Don't I think the answer is actually quite simple. All goes back to the very first discussion we had, and that is to have a very realistic objective. If your objective is too optimistic, you will attack undue chances and risk, under risk of running out of cash by your creditors, you're under risk of being overcapitalized, actually making financial losses, you perhaps have a favorable return on your ego, but a very unfavorable return on your equity. So that's one of the things we should be avoiding. What you should be doing is having a very realistic objective. Prepare your budget diligently and prudently track your progress against your budget. That's the second suggestion I have. Then be patient and be consistent in what you do. Then also I suggest speak regularly to your various financial advisors to make sure that you've got proper information to base your decisions on and make sure that your farming decisions and your financial decisions are all well aligned. Thank you so much. That was Berti Haman, Senior Manager for Agribusiness at Standard Bank. Is there anything else that you'd like to add on this topic before we let you go today, Berti? Just from my side, I think one has to acknowledge that agriculture is not an easy sector to operate in. So I'm by no means suggesting that it's an easy environment. I'm acknowledging all the challenges that farmers out there have, but I'm also acknowledging all the great progress they are making and all the commitment they have towards agriculture. And from Standard side, we take our hats off to the farmers out there. We congratulate you on your endeavours, on your efforts. Well done. Keep it going. Thank you so much, Betty. I've really enjoyed our engagement. And I look forward to not our next conversation, but definitely still a representative from Standard Bank who will be joining us. Really appreciate your time. 
and for sharing all of your financial advice and expertise. Thanks for joining us, Berti Haman, the Senior Manager of Agribusiness at Standard Bank. Wow, Mom, what did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens. Bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za From Farm to Fork, right here on Farmer's Inside Track, journalist, health coach and chef Ula Parkendorf joins our Zanzi Flavor segment to share her secret to a perfect home-cooked South African meal. You'll also be empowered with a top tip from our nutritionist, Andrea Diplissi. Hi, it's Ula here from the Mulberry Gift Box and Ula Parkenhoff Health Coaching. The secret to a good home-cooked meal in South Africa is to really keep it simple. We are all stressed enough on so many levels, and cooking for your loved ones really shouldn't feel like a chore, but an act of love. So keep it simple and plan ahead, and try to make your efforts last. Roast, for example, two chickens instead of just one. You can eat the first chicken on the first night. You can cut up the second chicken for a curry the second night. And the leftovers you can debone and use for a great sandwich or salad the third night. You can also use your vegetable scraps to make a nutritious vegetable stock. And you can use it as a basis for your bolognese, your stews, your curries and your soups. And if some nights you didn't batch cook or forgot to plan ahead, eat breakfast for dinner. There's absolutely nothing wrong with toast and creamy scrambled eggs with a good glass of Merlot. And we all have to eat daily, so let your ingredients shine by keeping it simple. And for affordability and to pack a nutritious punch, try to go more plant-based. You can, for example, make a delicious lentil dal, which bursts with flavor and good protein. And always be grateful that you can choose what you eat. Light a candle. Even with scrambled eggs, put away your phone and connect with your loved ones. Hi, it's good to be back. Today's nutrition tip will help you feed your family more nutritious food while saving money at the same time. What? Is that even possible? Well, another question I often get these days is, is it possible to buy healthy foods on a tight budget? And that's where we start. The answer to that question is yes, provided that you buy lots of raw, fresh veggies, such as spinach, carrots, onions, cabbage, and potatoes. Now, the response I often get to this answer is that, okay, well, many of these veggies go to waste in my home because I cannot cook all of them at the same time. Now, I hear you and I feel your pain. I also hate throwing away veggies that are going off. So it gives me great joy to share some tips with you in how to use your leftover veggies and also how to make the goodness in your veggies last longer. First tip is about how to use leftover veggies and that's to make a veggie and egg omelette. In these fancy recipe books they call it a frittata so it basically looks like an egg pizza. So what you do with leftover veggie scraps is you chop them finely then in a large pan you lightly fry them in a bit of vegetable oil and you season them with salt and pepper and spices to your taste. The best options that go really well with egg include onions, cabbage, carrots, peppers, tomatoes, mushrooms and baby marrows. 
So lightly fry them in the oil um, and as I said you season them to your liking. And once the vegetables are cooked, if it's quite watery, it's important to discard that water because you need a fairly dry mix before you add your eggs. Then you take a few beaten raw eggs for a family of four, six eggs would do. Pour the egg mixture over the veggies into the pan and turn down the heat. And then you cover the pan with a lid or if it doesn't have a lid, you can use a plate. And that is to keep the heat in to let the eggs set. So you cook that for another 5 to 10 minutes and just check if the eggs are setting. If there is still a bit of runny egg on the top of the pan, you can put the pan into the oven under a very hot grill to cook the remaining egg. And that is super delicious. Another similar way of using leftover veggies is basically following the same steps, using some vegetable scraps, cutting them finely, adding them into minced meat sauces, such as what you would serve on spaghetti or samp, pup or even a slice of toast. The last tip is on how to make your veggies last longer. And the answer is actually very simple. You freeze it. Contrary to many people's fears, nutrients are very well preserved in frozen foods. So in the first place, you are doing your family a favor if you buy them frozen veggies. Secondly, if you have any leftover stews and soup packed with healthy vegetables, you can freeze these leftovers for later. Isn't that nice to know? Thanks so much for the top tips, Ulla and Andrea. It's always great to have you guys here on Farmers Inside Track. For more great, proudly South African recipes, and of course, even more in daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is at foodformzanzi and use the hashtag FarmersInsideTrack. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food Form Zanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. We are drawing closer to the end of another great episode. But first, our book of the week. Our farmers have selected this week, Do Fail, Learn, Repeat, The Truth Behind Building Businesses by Nick Harolambus, an entrepreneur and founder of retailer nickharry.com. I think I was really lucky that uh, my parents taught me a level of resilience. And I talk about that word very specifically in the book, that you kind of have to learn that failure is not an end point. And I'm trying to get people to reframe the way they think of failure. So I like to think of failure as a through point. It's something you have to work through so that you can learn a lesson and then repeat the experience of building a business or whatever it is you're working on and get better at it through the failure. As any good parent, they wanted me to be better than they were and have more than they had. So they never wanted me to be an entrepreneur. They wanted me to get a stable job like any good Greek parent. They wanted me to be a doctor or lawyer. So they didn't help me understand this. Uh, Looking back on my dad's experience as an entrepreneur, I was able to see how he suffered and the depression that comes with failure. And I was able to recognize that in him and then understand it was happening to me. The practicalities of failing, let's not mince words, failure is, it's a trauma. It's not a fun thing to go through. 
but I've kind of managed to understand that those traumas are beneficial to me. There's actually something called post-traumatic growth that lots of scientific research is being done on how humans rebound after we've suffered a trauma. Whether it's better relationships with your family, a better life decision, I just get through the trauma because I know that there's a point on the other side where I'm going to be able to look back and learn something new. Sounds like a must read for any entrepreneur or anyone looking to start a new business. Remember to email your book suggestions to info at foodformzanzi.co.za. That's info at foodformzanzi.co.za. And from our book of the week to this week's AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, here's Dr. Johnny van der Merwe, an agricultural economist at the Northwest University. Thank you very much, Dawn and Duncan. As mentioned, I am Dr. Johnny van der Merwe and this is your weekly AMT Fresh Produce Outlook on the Markets, made possible by Standard Bank. To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, subscribe to the AMT YouTube page and also follow us on Facebook. The potato price increased last week by 2% to 61,96kg bag with low volumes that is still supporting these prices. Although volumes are still very low in the markets, demand may also decrease this week, but prices will remain on its current high level. The tomato price got some support last week, increasing by 22% week on week to 7.25 per kilogram. Volumes are starting to increase this week, which coupled with low demand can put pressure on prices the coming week. The carrot price increased last week to 380 per kilogram and over the short term high volumes may keep prices stable but production issues encountered the last 6 months or so is still likely to result in lower than expected volumes and prices to get some support over the medium term. However, lower demand this week may limit any upward sentiment. The onion price continued to decrease to 4.28 with volume pressure still affecting prices downward. Prices can remain under pressure for the remainder of September due to these higher volumes. Other vegetable prices traded as follows. Cabbages on 3.04 cents. Garlic price decreasing to 63.47. Pinach on 3.90. Sweet potatoes on 5.22 and peppers on 13.35 per kilogram. The limited demand expected for this week will most likely spill over to the fruit market as well. The banana price therefore decreased by 2% to 7.39 per kilogram with higher volumes towards November still expected to put downward pressure on this price. The latest apple price remained on 7.03 per kilogram while pear prices traded upwards uh, to 7.25 per kilogram. Both these commodities are currently in an upward trend for approximately the following 3 months or so. The orange price decreased by 4% week on week to 4.15 per kilogram last week, with low demand and higher volumes likely to impact this price negatively again this coming week. The avocado price decreased to 15.73 per kilogram last week and can likely remain in an upward trend for the time being. The table grape price traded 21% higher on 61.64 per kilogram and may trend downward towards the end of the year with volumes likely to increase. The pineapple price decreased by 8% to 7.62 while lemon prices increased by 6% to 6.31 per kilogram last week. 
To stay up to date with the latest prices and news, subscribe to the AMT YouTube and Facebook pages. Also make sure to follow Food from Zanzi for the latest in agriculture. This broadcast was of course made possible by Standard Bank. Thanks Dr. Johnny van der Merwe. Dawn, it seems like that's a wrap for this week then. Remember, if you love this podcast, share it with your friends, your family members and your fellow farmers. The Farmers Inside Track podcast is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Please stay safe out there and remember to always wear a mask. Also visit Food for Mzanzi's COVID-19 support page for the latest updates and information. From me, Dornumdu, Duncan Masiwa and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week. Until next time, bye. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food for Mzanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.